it's this little ridge line and when you first get up there you're looking down a valley and it was just beautiful we were so lucky with the weather and being there at sunrise and just seeing those golden rays hitting the top of the mountains was just phenomenal I was losing it I was just like this is so pretty this is so pretty this is so pretty and if all of that was not enough these four yes four Kia just started flying in this is Aotearoa Adventures with your host Abigail Hanna, the podcast for everything you need to know to travel New Zealand. I talk to photographers, van lifers, mums, students and everyday Kiwis to hear their inspiring stories from past adventures and to share helpful tips and tricks for your travels. Whether you're visiting Aotearoa for the first time and live on the road or you work a 9 to 5 and have lived in New Zealand your whole life, you're guaranteed to learn something to plan your next getaway and get a new excitement to explore more of this beautiful country I call home. So grab your hiking boots, hop in the car, and turn up the volume. Kia ora, and welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Aotearoa Adventures. Today, you've just got Abigail, you've got your host. I'm doing a bit of a solo episode about my trip to Milford, um, hiking the Milford track. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that this trip came around really quickly. I did it over Easter weekend. Um... It had been a while since I'd sort of left Auckland, since I'd been on an adventure, since I'd had a trip and I was craving a little something, um, saved up some of my annual leave. I needed a break from that nine to five grind. So I asked a mate about joining the Milford track because I knew that she was going there on Easter weekend with a group of girls. Shout out to the lads and to Laurie. Um, and guess what? there was a space I pretty much had I don't even know if it was a full week but it was a couple of days where I was just like yes let's do it (laughs) um and if you're on my email list um I've shared a couple more of those behind the scenes details on how this trip came about last minute so I won't dwell on that here this episode is sponsored by Jetstar and I want to give them a huge shout out for getting me from Auckland to Queenstown and making the trip happen What I love about flying with Jetstar, and I've flown with them a couple of times over the years, is that they've got these affordable base rates and they've got this choice model, which means that you can maximize your time and budget for the trip. They will always be the most affordable option and you only pay for what you need. So maybe when you fly to Queenstown, you want a window seat. You probably do. Unfortunately, I flew at night, so I did not get to see the incredible mountain views on the way into Queenstown. Um, But maybe you don't need luggage or you don't need a meal. For this flight, I needed a checked in bag. I needed 20 kilos. I did not carry all of that with me on the trip. I needed a little bit either side for the time in Queenstown. I didn't need a meal. I didn't mind where I sat. Um, And this flight flexibility around booking means that you've got more dollars to spend on the ground more to spend at your destination on your experience and it means that you can sort of tailor your flight perfectly to fit your budget and save save that little bit of extra money that you work so hard to earn um jetstar always have sales going on so do keep an eye out for their extra low fares and you can snag some amazing deals so as i said i've never flown into queenstown before and it literally was blowing my mind the next morning when I woke up in the mountains with these autumn trees because it it was Easter time April just waking up in the mountains with these trees going red orange yellow and usually I drive so you get this like slow progression to the mountain but it just it blew my mind waking up there um so the next day we drove to Te Ano and that's where we stayed and then the following day is when we started the Milford track so I'll tell you a little bit more about the Milford track it is 
four days of walking, you spend three nights at dock huts, um, 53 kilometers in length, and your total elevation is 1,140 meters. Um, so essentially you kind of go up a bit of a river valley or it might have been a glacial valley before with now it's got a river in it I'm not a geologist don't quote me on this but up a valley over a pass and then out another valley and you actually end up in Milford Sound which is if you've been to Milford Sound it's mind-blowing if you haven't go there immediately you start in Teano um, and you have to catch a water taxi over to the start of the track so day one we were on the first water taxi and even that left at 11 30 in the morning so you get to have a sleep in especially if you're staying in Teano it's super close had a bit of a lie and you can even have a big brunch on the first day like it's luxury <laughs> but once we were on that water taxi it was I was still pinching myself. I still couldn't believe that I was in the South Island, let alone like on my way to the start of the Melbourne track. Um, we had beautiful weather and we're sitting here in this water taxi with glassy lake with the mountains all around me and I was just pinching myself. It was phenomenal. Um, but you take the water taxi across, I think it's about 45 minutes or so and then you're at the start of the track. Day one was super cruisy. Um, about an hour and a half till you reach the hut and because we were the first ones on the boat we got there super early and we had the afternoon to kill time which was really cool we met a few other people and the way the Milford works is that you can only walk it in one direction so you're walking with these same people every single day you're staying at the same huts every night um so it was really cool to meet some people on that first day um we even our ranger even took us for a little nature walk that night because we hadn't done much walking at all during the day and it was really cool to learn a little bit more about the sort of flora and fauna in the area um there were these wetlands around the hut. We could also hear deer like calling or yelling. I'm, I'm not a hunter. I don't know what you call it, but like they're mating. Roars? Is it a roar? Do deers roar? I don't know. And the next morning when we woke up, there was this beautiful fog sort of settled in the valley and it was it was just magical. And we've got these huge mountains either side of us. You just feel like you're in this bowl surrounded by, by mountains. And so we had our breakfast, we're pumped to go, second day, first day of actual hiking. <laughs> so day two is pretty flat but pretty, pretty cruisy um but there were so many different points along the track that was sort of like um locations of interest or like viewpoints and stuff so we passed waterfalls there were several beautiful lakes there were waterfalls flowing into lakes um there was this prairie area there were wetlands there was just a lot and it was just it was just incredible scenery the whole entire way um Something that I had to remind myself, not just on day two, but on all of the days was to keep looking up because I feel like sometimes when you're walking, you're just looking down at your feet, you're trying not to trip over, you're trying to just like focus on like putting one foot in front of the other. And I just have to keep reminding myself, look up, look up, like look where you are, you're in Fjordland. Um, and the scenery was just incredible. But also having said that, like looking down, seeing the different types of mosses, there were heaps of mushrooms. I, I wish I'd sort of like started counting how many different mushrooms we sort of came across. It was incredible. And on the second day, you stay at Mintaro Hut, your second night. So again, we had this beautiful weather on day two and it was actually forecasted to sort of get a bit worse the following day. Um, so the rest of my 
group of girls um there were six of us all together so the other five girls continued going along the track they sort of dumped their bags at the hut and then continued going to mckinnon pass which is the highest point of the track and it was about an hour and a half i believe from mintaro height um to the pass but i was pretty shattered after that first day it had it has been a really long time since i hiked and i knew it would be quite a big challenge um so I took it slow I stayed at the hut but that's when I sort of decided I was going to be up on that pass first thing the next day for sunrise and so on day three I set my alarm for 4 30 a.m it did not go off um fortunately my body woke me up at 4 45 so I was really lucky that um that I did wake up but I started walking up to the summit with another guy, Andre, shout out Andre, that we um, met earlier in the hike um, on day one. So the two of us were walking in the dark with our head torches, getting up there for the summit to, um, to see sunrise. And it was it was actually not as cold as I was expecting. That's something that surprised me. I was literally wearing like pretty much everything, like all my layers with my gloves, my beanie. Like I thought it was going to be so cold that morning and not even like half an hour and I was having to take all these layers off and <laughs> put them back in my pack. But we got up there for sunrise and that was honestly my, my pinch me moment. Like that was that was the the pinnacle the the summit the best moment of the hike and I know it's cliche because it's the the highest point as well um but absolutely McKinnon Pass blew my mind um it's sort of it's this little ridge line and when you first get up there you're looking down a valley and it was just beautiful we were so lucky with the weather there was a little bit of cloud but like fluffy cloud not not moody cloud <laughs> there was no rain the wind was bearable um and being there at sunrise and just seeing those golden rays hitting the top of the mountains was just phenomenal um and if all of that like wasn't enough and i was losing it i was just like i just i just just like this is so pretty this is so pretty this is so pretty um <laughs> and if all of that was not enough these four Yes, four Kia just started flying in. Um, if you don't know what a Kia is, they are alpine parrots. They are native to New Zealand. Um, they're cheeky little buggers, but they are they are so cute. And they've got these beautiful like red under their wings. So I heard them calling, I saw them circling and they kind of landed right next to us, had a bit of a geese, like, what's going on? <laughs> um, and it was just so special to be able to experienced that as well um from what I've heard from all the other walkers that day is that we were actually the only two people that were up there and saw the Kia that day nobody else I don't think saw Kia on the pass so wake up for the sunrises you guys honestly cannot recommend it enough um but for day three you think you think you've done the hard part once you're up at the summit but I reckon it's the going down that's quite a bit harder um we stopped for breakfast at top at the top um there was there's a little shelter um which is perfect for cooking a bit of porridge or finding refuge from the wind and the rain um and then you sort of start your descent back down honestly the views the views did not stop the whole time like I, I was just like oh that's it like it's done we're leaving the views behind but no they kept on going the views kept on going um something else that was like pretty unexpected on day three was there's this place when you're going down and there's these stairs 
pretty much going next to like a river and it's really hard to describe without like showing it to you but you're just walking down right next to this river slash waterfall um and it's it's really steep and it's wet and there's all this moss around and trees and it's really hard to explain the experience but it was just beautiful and I had had no idea that that was there so at the end of day three once you've finished the long downhill it's it's pretty much downhill the whole way until you get to Dumpling Hut which is your last hut um and that night the ranger said okay the rain's definitely coming in tomorrow so day four which was our last day was wet and rainy we sort of woke up and had to put our raincoats on right away but it was still beautiful and it was a little bit magical to sort of experience the bush and Milford Sound and seeing a couple more waterfalls sort of flowing down those those huge cliff sides of the valley um that was all just as incredible um day four also had a it was a flat day so days one two and four flat and day three is basically up and down um so day four was super flat and there was heaps to see along the way there were lots of waterfalls lots of viewpoints some epic epic swing bridges yeah and so day four is just beautiful and the rain was sort of on and off for us but you finish at sandfly point which is actually at sea level so your altitude on that last day is zero meters um and you catch another little water taxi it's about five minutes this one um and then you're in milford sound and um our rental car had been dropped off to milford sound and we just could hop in and sort of drive off but it's just incredible and the same way that I'd never flown into Queenstown, I'd only ever driven into into Milford Sound, so it blew my mind. Like, how did I get to Milford Sound? Oh yeah, that's right. I walked for four days. <laughs> um, but it was it was truly a magical experience to be in Milford Sound and to experience Milford Sound in the rain as well, because that was a first for me. So I was actually thinking about the questions that I always ask my guests and I always ask them about their challenges. I ask them what surprised them. I ask them what they loved. Um, I ask them for tips and advice. So I thought I should probably do the same. Um, But I I knew that this would be a challenge. Um, Like I said, it was very last minute. I didn't have time to train. It had been a while since I'd hiked. So I knew that fitness was going to be quite a big challenge for me. And I got blisters on day one. So that was like not ideal, but it was totally manageable. Um, On day three, that really big downhill, I kind of tweaked something in my knee and it meant that everything, every step that I took downhill was really painful, which made day four quite, quite challenging. Even though it was completely flat, it's like even a little bit of downhill hurt and it's just, it's hard to be moving when you're sort of in pain. So I think physically, like, I definitely had a couple of challenges there, but also mentally knowing that I was the slowest one in the group and constantly feeling like I was holding people back. It was also a completely different experience for me hiking in a group because it's usually just me and Isaac. And I I just found it like an, an interesting new experience. Um, But what surprised me the most is how those challenges that I had didn't didn't 
actually hold me back too much. Um, I, <laughs> at the start of the trip, I kind of said to myself, like, look, you can have one big cry. Like, if things get too much, you can have a cry, you can let it all out, but you get that once. Um, I, I didn't need my cry. Never felt too overwhelming, never felt too painful, too uncomfortable. Um, I was able to just kind of keep going. And honestly, I was surprised at my abilities, both physically and mentally. Um, I was surprised that I enjoyed walking solo for parts of the trek. On the last day, I said to the group, you guys go ahead. I just want to be on my own for a bit. Um, I really enjoyed that and that surprised me. Um, I also learned that I enjoy the mix of walking in groups, um, walking solo or walking with another person. Um, I got to experience all three on this trip, which was really cool. I had a one-on-one -on -one time. I had a group time. I had solo time and I really enjoyed that mix of all of them. Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was different and it's, it's, Honestly, it was an incredible experience and I don't think I would change a thing. My top tips um, is to listen to your gut when you're packing. So before this trip, I'd, I'd asked a couple of other people what their like non-negotiables are, like what do you have to take with you? Um, my grandma who hiked the track um, a couple of years ago, she did it guided with a group. So it's a little bit different. You're not carrying all your gear. You're not staying in the dock huts. You've got real beds with real cooked meals. It's a bit bougie. Um, but she said, take a thermos with you so you can have your hot tea. Like you're going to want to have a hot drink at the top of McKinnon Pass. Um, and so I carried this thermos with me the whole time, which was kind of heavy, but I'm actually not a hot drinks person. And I should have just listened to my gut and been like, like, I'm not a hot drinks person. I'm not going to want a hot drink when I'm hiking because I don't even want one at home. Um, and I should have left that flask at home instead of carrying it. But just know yourself and know what you'll personally appreciate the most. Like, I appreciated having a bar of chocolate when I got to the water taxi on the last day. <laughs> um, take two poles. Your knees will thank you later. Um, it also helps like just propel yourself forward when you've lost the motivation to walk. Honestly, on day three, day four, the last day, um, I was pretty much walking with my arms just like, yeah, propelling. And I'm pretty sure Sam said the same thing when I talked to her about hiking the Milford Trek. Um, and last of all, and I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but stop and pause, like appreciate those moments. Remember to look up, look up at the bush, look up at the mountains, look up at the waterfall and just take in all of that goodness. Like, like don't get too caught up. You don't have to run the thing, like take in all of that magic. Um, just appreciate being in nature, being outdoors and Oh, all of that goodness. Um, and when you are looking down, look out for the beautiful moss. Look out for the mushrooms. Um, I genuinely had a moment on, I think it was day two, I can't remember when, but I was walking with a group of girls at the front of the group and I was just like, stop, sorry, I just, I just have to touch this moss. And I was there stroking a bit of moss. It was so soft. Touch the moss, you guys. <laughs> Um, but that sort of sums up my Milford trip. Um, I am still grinning from ear to ear, pinching myself on how it all came together so fast, how it happened. Um, but again, a big thanks to Jetstar for making this experience possible. And consider flying with Jetstar for your next adventure so that you've got the freedom to tailor your ticket to suit your budget. You've got more dollars for your adventure, for your great walk, for whatever it is that you want to do. 
And if you need an idea of where to go next for your next getaway, um, think about Queenstown because in summer it's the gateway to many of the great walks, the Rootburn, the Kepler, the Milford, or many of the other walks that are just epic tracks. Not necessarily great walks, but they're still beautiful. If you're not into walking, start your next road trip from Queenstown. Visit the west coast or Fiordland or Auraki. And in winter, we all know Queenstown's the perfect destination for skiing, snowboarding, and all of your favourite winter sports. So if you're thinking about hiking the Melbourne next season or doing another great walk, I can totally recommend it. If you'd like to know more, check out episode 30 with Sam because I talked to her about her experience hiking the Melford and fun fact, while <laughs> while I was editing the episode with Sam, I was like, I have to go to Milford Sound and that's when I was texting Laurie and being like, hey, can I come? <laughs> Four episodes later, here I am talking about my experience. Um, it's also important to note that tickets can come up last minute for Great Walks. Um, great Walk tickets go on sale once a year around April and they just sell out pretty much immediately. But if there's cancellations and tickets come up last minute. Um, in episode nine with Emily, I talked to her about how she scored last minute tickets for the Rootburn track which is another beautiful great walk that I haven't done yet but that's all from me today thank you so much for listening and if you've got any questions at all about um, the Milford track or about flying with Jetstar um, just flick me a DM um, I know there's probably a few things that I haven't covered in here that you might have some burning questions but um, just flick me a message and I will answer you and I can't wait to see you next time Thank you so much for tuning in and coming along for the ride. If you love the show and enjoyed listening, please take the time to leave a review on Apple or Spotify. I would also love to connect with you, so send me a DM on Instagram or leave me a voice message, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, keep adventuring.